Each month, the Security Ledger podcast informs and entertains an audience of thousands of technology and information security professionals. If that sounds like an audience your company is trying to reach, consider sponsoring one of our podcasts. We offer per-episode sponsorships of our weekly podcasts, which feature news, analysis, and discussion of the most important cybersecurity topics of the day. Or you can commission a custom podcast to highlight your executives, researchers, and subject matter experts. To learn more, point your web browser to securityledger.com slash sponsor. Hello, this is the Security Ledger Podcast, and I'm Paul Roberts, Editor-in-Chief at the Security Ledger, in this week's episode of the podcast number 181. As Americans settle into the surreal, uncertain reality, there's another epidemic unfolding. Back now with a new warning from the FBI about coronavirus scams. There are bad actors out there. The novel coronavirus, COVID-19, is on the move, stalking Americans inside and outside their homes, with more than half a million sickened in the United States and 25,000 dead. But the coronavirus isn't just affecting people in the physical world. It's also having a big impact on online, where cyber criminal gangs and fraudsters have jumped on fear and curiosity about the virus to facilitate a wide range of schemes and scams. What are some of the COVID scams that are most prevalent online and what can businesses and consumers do to protect themselves? To find out, we invited Shashi Prakash, the chief technology officer at the firm Bolster AI, formerly known as Red Marlin, into the studio to talk. That company has seen more than a 200% increase in phishing attacks in the first three months of this year compared with the same time in 2019 and a flood of COVID-19 themed scams in just the last couple months. To keep track of them all, Bolster created a coronavirus phishing scam tracker that now counts more than 130,000 scams linked to the virus and more than 11,000 suspicious domains registered. I invited Shashi into the Security Ledger studio to talk about the trends that they're seeing in COVID-related scams and how organizations can protect themselves and their workers at a time when hardly anyone is working from an office anymore. I started off by asking Shashi to tell us a little bit about Bolster AI and their technology. Yes, my name is Shashi Prakash. I'm the co-founder, chief scientist at Red Marlin. And Shashi, welcome to Security Ledger Podcast. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. It's great to have you. Tell us, uh, for our listeners who aren't familiar with Red Marlin, uh, what the company does. Red Marlin protects some of the world's largest brands from online fraud. Um, and this includes things like if someone is trying to create a fake website pretending to be, let's say, Nike and selling Air Jordans, right? Um, so we find all of these websites automatically. And we have a differentiated AI-powered platform which can detect such websites in real time. And it can find what brand is being infringed, what is the type of scam, whether it's a fake store selling goods or phishing, or the types of scams. And we also automatically show them down. So we shut down these bad guys. So these are sort of the uh, phishing domains uh, that are set up often lookalike domains uh, that are designed to fool people into logging in, surrendering their credentials, that type of thing. Absolutely. And we're seeing multiple different kinds of scams, uh, not just phishing. We're able to detect, for example, if someone's streaming illegal content online, some content that belongs to Netflix or or Disney. Um, And there are a few things we are lately seeing because of COVID, new types of scams. And I'll talk about those. 
you've got a um, kind of public website that monitors some of these uh, some of these very trends that we're talking about, which is checkfish.ai. And I, I guess, first of all, just talk about how the technology behind Checkfish works. Sure, yeah. So my background is uh, in machine learning, deep learning, AI, and uh, security. I work at the intersection of these two fields. I've had a lot of experience in building AI systems to you know stop abuse, stop different kinds of scams, detect them, and, and, and block them. So Checkfish is basically a solution we built, which has an underlying uh, machine learning and deep learning powered uh, system, which can extract content from websites like images and natural language content. And it can, based on the content, identify what's the intent of the website, right? So it can tell, hey, there is a logo of, uh, I don't know, Google on, on the page, and it's asking for username and password. That's a very bad intent. And it's not hosted on Google's infrastructure. So it can identify all of these nuances. And based Based on that, it able, it's able to automatically tell you whether it's a phishing or a different kind of scam and what brand it's targeting in real time. Um, this is different from other technologies because it's not a blacklist lookup. It's not based on reactive measures where someone is looking up against uh, a static list. It, it's a real-time scanner, and, and that's where uh, the differentiation is. And talk about um, some of the kind of trends that you have seen emerge um, as, you know, the <clears throat> impact of the uh, COVID novel coronavirus has kind of spread globally and uh, and shut down many of the, the world's largest economies. These trends we've been seeing are changing quite rapidly. Of course, the COVID, uh, as, you, as you know, it started in, in January, but uh, even before that, but in the U.S., it's predominantly started picking up around the end of February and March. So during the beginning of March, March, we were seeing more of attacks along the lines of phishing, like plain phishing, where someone is sending you know, an email with a link that says, hey, reset your Outlook credentials. So these are primarily targeted towards people who are working from home uh, and they use Microsoft's products or other uh, enterprise products, and they were being targeted through these phishing links. And we saw a spike in that. So that's what we talk about in our, uh, in our blog post. But over March and towards the end of March, we saw a shift. Um, now we're seeing more and more of sites are coming up to sell COVID-related items. So we're seeing, for example, fake testing kits that are being sold that are not really FDA-approved. Kind of drafting off concern, anxiety about the virus just to uh, fool people. Right? The other thing is people are uh, looking for masks now. So there are a lot of sites coming up selling fake N95 masks or hand sanitizers. A lot of these items being created to to be sold online, but they're all pretty much uh, fake. There's uh, scammy websites and people should stay away from those. So in order to combat this sudden uprise, we actually started a coronavirus tracker page on Checkfish, where if you go, we provide a free free list of websites uh, that are scamming people. And this is free for anybody. So most of the security vendors are downloading these lists and putting in their platforms, uh, your antivirus companies or uh, cloud platforms, and then they're helping block these websites on con- uh, on consumers uh, machines so just to be clear is the scam for these sites merely just to get you to give them a credit card number and charge you um, ostensibly for a product that you're never going to receive or is it identity theft uh, theft of that credit card number and and reuse and and reuse? how do how do these scams which generally work good question I think there are a couple of variants one is uh, 
either you get a cheap knockoff product which is not really approved uh, by by FDA or other government agencies and uh, it's a substandard product doesn't work and it's sold for much higher price than what it usually should should be sold for because there's such a high demand so that's one thing we've seen and the other thing we've seen is just plain outright stealing credentials or credit card information basically taking those credit card information selling them on uh, on other marketplaces and people buying like other spammers and hackers buying those information uh, about credit cards and using it for nef- other nefarious purposes so um, so those are the two main variants you've seen and if you go to this coronavirus scams tracker that you guys have i mean you see kind of big dot right over the united states of america is is are most of these scams taking place in the u.s because that's where the virus is running rampant right now or just because you know again we're the biggest market in the world i think it's because of the the market market size so in US um, it, there's just a lot of money to be made so people are basically uh, I mean all the spammers and, and hackers they're mostly after money in this case so they're looking for places where they can host quickly where they can uh, get to the, the most users um, quickly and then uh, make money off of them so that's why we're seeing an uptick in, uh, in US and a lot of demand for these items like masks and uh, testing kits is is also pretty high in US right now. So because of the the scale of COVID, um, yeah, it's, the US is, is currently the number one uh, if most affected country in terms of number of cases, right? We're number one. We're mm-hmm. number one. <laughs> yeah, um. unfortunately, yeah. Um, <laughs> right. We're tracking yeah. that. You, meaning Checkfish, um, uh, saw a, I think, 235% jump between February and March of mm-hmm. 2020 and 2019 in the, the volume of phishing attacks. I'm guessing that is directly related to the to the coronavirus. It's probably mostly related to people working from home. So so that because of shutdown, government shutdowns, most people are working from home. So that's why people who are looking for credentials and trying to infiltrate into company networks, they were, phishing is still the most popular way of doing that. And email is still the number one vector for doing that. So, so email-based phishing attacks is what we've seen suddenly increase in the last couple of months. Is there a seasonality to, to phishing attacks generally? Yes, generally there is. This was unusual uh, because suddenly the entire workforce moved to work from home. So this was unusual. But in, in general, we see around holiday times, it's there's a lot of phishing activity that increases uh, around and then sort of subsides towards like Christmas, New Year's, because I guess, you know, bad guys are also taking a break at that time. In January, it starts increasing, spiking up. Uh, and then towards, um, yeah, towards the summer and the whole year, it, it's sort of consistent. So the only, only decrease we see is towards the end of towards the end of the year, like between Christmas, New Year's. But otherwise, it's, it's pretty rampant and uh, increasing year, year over year. So pretty consistent spike around the holiday time, but but high levels throughout the year. You have observed a number of attacks, as you mentioned, targeting work from home platforms like uh, Zoom, the video conferencing platform and others. Uh, Microsoft Teams, I think, was another one. Talk about how scammers, phishing crime groups are targeting those platforms. These platforms are very good in terms of uh, letting you know users work from home and and sort of still have collaboration as they would. Uh, it's not the same as working from office, but still they, they bridge a very critical gap um, in continuing the business. The trends we are seeing mostly there is people are creating these malware binaries targeting these major platforms, Teams and Skype and, and Zoom. And what, what they're doing is basically distributing these links uh, through 
emails or other channels. And what we've seen is a major uptick in, in malware files where people download these and install them. They're not authorized by these companies and basically end up installing some sort of Trojan or, or other kinds of malware on their devices. And we've seen these on mobile platforms like Android APK files or Windows.exe files that are being downloaded. I think the recommendation is to always go to the trusted source uh, for getting executables. Uh, I think that's what uh, is, is probably not going on right now. People are clicking on links and downloading more of these unauthorized and malicious files. Obviously, as you pointed out, many workers are new to these platforms, and that, of course, makes them more susceptible to be fished by uh, malicious actors. The other problem, it would seem to me, is that it's very difficult for companies because folks are uh, telecommuting, they're outside of the corporate firewall, kind of by definition, um, to know when these attacks are happening. Uh, so, so if you're a company who's suddenly got a workforce that's all connecting uh, remotely via Slack or Microsoft Teams or, or using Zoom, how can you monitor this type of malicious activity? Um, there are a couple of things. I think it's more of a IT hygiene that all organizations should ramp up at this time because these are this is not the usual time. So in these stages, I think there should be enhanced security measures that all enterprises should take. Uh, for example, they should enable some kind of VPN network for all employees who are working from other, other networks. They should enable checking for what kinds of files are being downloaded, what are uh, what is the nature of these files, what are the emails people are receiving, um, and there's enhanced monitoring that needs to be done on the enterprise's part. And on the user's part, I think they should be vigilant on where they are going. Uh, that's in general true for any time, but at this time, especially if some email that looks suspicious, they should verify the source, talk to their IT teams and, and verify that it's legitimate and just look for things like if there are any browser warnings that, that say that, you know, the, the SSL certificate related issue warnings or... So there's more, it's more of an awareness and combination of awareness and uh, some enhanced protocols that enterprises need to take at this time to uh, to stop this because this is not the usual time where um, everybody is on the company network all the time. There's been a lot of stories written, a lot of media attention to security issues with like the Zoom platform, for example. In your opinion, is that a positive from a security standpoint in that it makes users more aware of the potential that these platforms could be targeted? Or is it conversely bad for security by, I don't know, uh, creating creating an avenue for for, fish, for um, cyber attackers to uh, play on that fear as part of a uh, as part of a lure or phishing lure? I think in general, it's it's good for all platforms to um, be working on their security posture. And in general, um, the more people use this, the more issues come out. And, and it's, it's generally good for hygiene of all platforms. I think um, because of this, uh, pretty much all uh, remote collaboration tools are probably ramping up their product security. And that's very important in general. But I think for users, it's it's really important to um, go to the trusted sources to to get their software. I mean, it's just at this time, there are a lot of, there's a lot of noise over email. We, probably people are receiving emails to, you know, download uh, something which is not really trusted. So uh, I think there's general awareness and, and uh, education at this time, which is really important for people uh, to follow. 
your background is, is obviously in machine learning. There, there has been a fair amount of speculation that this huge shift that you're talking about of everybody kind of moving out of their off their corporate networks and onto home networks has messed with the, um, you know, machine learning is often based on, you know, analyzing patterns of behavior and kind of longitudinally. Um, has that been an experience? Have you, have you seen evidence of that, that this huge shift in behavior has really scrambled um, the accuracy of the uh, insight or analysis of uh, this this type of behavior? So our machine learning platform generally works on the external threats. So we we look at threats that are outside the corporate network. I'm sure there are so many other uh, players in the market vendors who have, you know, network traffic-based analysis uh, or machine learning system that look at those things. So they might be seeing some of these trends. We actually look at other external threats, like, you know, these sites coming up and and we definitely and that, see- an, That hasn't really changed that much based on the virus, is what I hear you saying. Uh, they, they have changed in terms of- the, the types of sites we are seeing now more are yes. shifting towards COVID because uh, I think there's a lot of money to be made through scams like these. So people are <laughs> people are creating these types of sites. That's what Unique we are opportunity. seeing. Unique opportunity, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Based on obviously, you know, playing on the fear of people. But uh, that's unfortunately, that's the truth right now. Shashi, I mean, a lot of people are kind of speculating what the long-term effects of this uh, pandemic are going to be in all kinds of ways. What do you, from a sort of cybersecurity standpoint, what do you think they're going to be? Well, I think this will fundamentally change how we work and collaborate over, you know, not just being in the office, but in general, how the security posture in general would be different in six months down the lane, because everybody would be figuring out, not just for, for enterprise, but for general users. I mean, schools are closed, kids are working, kids are learning from home. So what's the security mm-hmm. posture there, right? So... Um, uh, everybody in general will have to think very differently in, in how we're going to uh, tackle this problem when the whole world is going to be restricted. Um, and, I'm, and I have no idea when this gonna when the shutdown is going to lift, but it's going to be some time, a few months at least. So business has to continue, life has to continue. Um, so how do we how do we make that happen? And and in general, that will fundamentally change the security posture of of pretty much everybody, not just enterprises, but general users as well. Do you, do you think in general it's been a, a net positive for cyber criminals and phishing gangs to have this shift to work at home? Or is it just different challenge, but but more or less the same opportunity? It has definitely shifted uh, in terms of, um, uh, I think that this is going to be a temporary shift where everybody uh, on the bad side, like the people who are creating these fake websites and, and fake tools and malware, I, I think in the short term they would be able to... Um, make some money out of this and then leverage this but um but long term i think there would be there would be ways to, to solve this and and in, in the security committee in general we are collaborating actually with several other security companies and we are sharing threat intelligence um going after attribution who are these bad actors finding them so we have left several other forums like slack channels and stuff where we're sharing all of this information and, and shutting them down uh, on a global scale. So law enforcement, security companies, everybody has to work together, um, share this intelligence, what we have, and shut them down. At the end of the day, the people are the same who are doing this, right? They were doing something else before. Now they've moved their business to this. Um, but they are the same groups of people. And and so if we can collaborate uh, more and more and, and shut down shut down these bad guys, that would be uh, that would be great. What I'm seeing on the prevention side is there is this unprecedented collaboration happening across the board um, between companies and, and law enforcement and other organizations to actually go after um, these bad guys. And, and that's really good because that's going to, at the end of the day, help solve this problem. 
Shashi Prakash, uh, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us on the Security Ledger. Thank you so much, Paul. It was uh, good to be here. Thanks. Shashi Prakash is the Chief Technology Officer at the firm Bolster AI. You can find them online at bolster, B-O-L-S-T-E-R dot A-I.